Welcome to Buck Spout. We talk uh, punk, comics, media, anything kind of punk uh, adjacent. I'm Eric, John, and we have Travis Gibb with us. Uh, <laughs> Travis is the writer and creator of Granite State Punk, which is on Kickstarter right now. So we're going to be talking about that book, uh, its ties to the occult, um, and anything uh in between it's the very beginning of october so it's good timing for having good travis time. come on and talk this stuff uh so welcome travis thanks thanks i'm excited to be here awesome i'm uh partly awake right now i've uh, <laughs> had a a punk festival this weekend where i was tabling so um i was a sponsor of so it was amazing um you had a good time everybody was good yeah, just uh, getting home at like 2.30 in the morning is a lot for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a little rough, yeah. <laughs> did you sell well? Yeah, you know, it did pretty good. It was, um, it's, it's my first, it's my return basically since like COVID really. Um, like I did a punk rock flea market right before COVID and I loved it. I used to do concerts before that. Um, and it's one of those things where when people see you at a show, you know, I was doing them weekly for a while. So, or every other week or something. So it was like... They might come and chat with you about music, and then they show up the next week and they chat with you a little bit more, and then eventually they buy stuff. Like you kind of build that, um, and so it's. Um, I think that the books will probably sell better as I do more of those things. Um, but the funny thing was, anything that I had at my table that had an f bomb on it, like these coasters, don't fuck up my table. Yeah, yeah. People liked those, and then my <laughs> button, which actually is directly from Blister, but. They didn't necessarily know it, but I fuck everyone button. <laughs> uh, those, like the fuck everyone button, everybody loved. I'm going to have to do some more with that. <laughs> so it was, it was a good time. Um, the bull weevils were amazing. They're, um, that, they're so high energy. It is like so not me, so it's I'm envious <laughs> when I see that. It's happened everywhere on the stage. It was amazing. Um, but no, it was just nice to get out to something like that, even if it was way past my bedtime. Yeah, but that live music, it just like, really invigorates after all this time that we've been stuck inside and everything it's it's such a nice feeling to get out there and see the other fans connecting with it too so totally get it It it's fun to see that there's still a scene out there too like everybody's talking about other bands that are on the scene and like i don't know people always want like well punk is dead is always a thing everybody always wants to talk about that and um music is dead and nothing's been good since the you know insert decade so it's, <laughs> it's just nice to see everything's so live. There's all these young bands out there. Uh, it's nice to see the old bands have that energy and that longevity. I mean, Bull Weevils have been around since the late 80s. So, um, yeah, it was amazing. I know it's crazy to see some of these bands that are, you know, I'm pushing 50. So it's it, to see bands that are my age like jumping off stage and like landing on their knees. I've actually had conversations with bands before and said like the lead singer, of the proletariat, I was like, you just landed off the stage and I would have been dead. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, she's like, yes, basically the, the routine has changed a little bit. There's a little less alcohol, a lot more Advil in my routine. <laughs> so, yeah. Ivy preference, my go-to. Yep. 
I'm uh, I'm throwing together a punk rock show for the Granite State Punk uh, Black Caravan release. So we're going to do one on April 15th, right after Megacon. We're still kind of putting it all together, and it's it's so interesting because um, I'm a marketing guy, but so many of those things don't work for punk shows, right? Like I, I get a sponsor, the sponsor's like, "Hey, I got five grand." I was like. I don't know how to spend five grand in a function. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I can. Give me a minute, but but in, what do you do? You know, and, and how do you make it special? And you know, and, and what, do they care? Right? Like, I'm going to do a punk show. I'm going to have like five bands. I, I hired a local punk rock league. We're going to get people like I don't know if you know them, the Super Villains and some some Florida based you know punk rock rock scene. You know, affordable. Uh, but, you know, we want to add the comic as like an add on and all these things. I was like, I, I remember being a punk. I wouldn't give a shit about your comic, regardless if it's a comic related punk rock show. Like, hey, I don't yeah. care. Like, it helps. Yeah. It helps like between money for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've already spent your money and you're done. I mean, that is the weird thing, too, because I'm selling stuff amongst like people who are out there busting their ass on stage. Right. <laughs> so, like, I, I'm hoping they're doing good, too. Like, it's. Um, but it's fun, like between songs and stuff, this, so this, um, this fest that we did this weekend, Mm -hmm. there was literally, and they were really good about it. There was like 10 minute time setup times between bands and the show at the end was about a half hour off, which is really good for 16 bands before the last band. Oh yeah. 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 That was amazing. Um, but like at previous shows that I've done, there might be, you know, almost 30 minutes in between. So people are kind of wandering around. So they'll come out and they'll start just kind of picking up your books and looking through them. Um, so it's always nice to have a read-only copy up front. Sure. Um, yeah. But they, and then when you start talking music and stuff, that's and like that connection, a lot of times you'll see it's weird. So one big difference I know from a punk fest and that sort of thing to a comic show is that when somebody comes around and they're a comic show and they kind of glance at your stuff and they're like, "I'll be back around later," they're probably not coming back. Right. Uh, <laughs> there's the rare person, but you don't want to carry this around. <laughs> right. Yep. But at a concert, like, so we got there, um, got there a couple hours after it started about two in, in mm-hmm. the afternoon. The show went until, um, one in the morning and people don't buy a book and carry it around a concert. Right, for 10 sure. hours. So you're literally like out there just kind of as a billboard just for, you know, half of a day. And then at the end, people kind of trickle by on their way out. Um, the pins and stuff like that, those would sell during the day. But Yeah, I was going to say, stuff you can throw in your pocket. Yeah, so I, I learned early on to not be discouraged by, you know, nobody's going to buy my stuff. Like, stay till the end. It's, yeah. But, yeah, it was a good time. Um, so, with that, you want to, we could start talking some uh, Granite State Punk. Um, sure. Here, uh, you want to give the uh, your elevator pitch? Yeah, yeah. Hold on, I gotta talk to my daughter for a sec. She's playing The Simpsons in the background. Oh, <laughs> okay. Can you do that somewhere else. <laughs> we don't want to get a copyright strike. Oh, here's <laughs> the Simpsons. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and, and no one's more punk than Bart Bar Simpson. I mean, I, I understand, but <laughs> just uh, not appropriate. Yeah, so uh, Granite State Punk, uh, we're doing issue two right now, but the, the premise of Granite State Punk is in New Hampshire, there's this old man on the mountain. So it's his face, it's on all the symbols, on everything you see in New Hampshire. I'm born and raised in that area. This is a punk rock kid from that town 
who when the face falls off finds out he's like the head king witch warlock. He doesn't know because he drank and partied in his youth and didn't want anything to do with that life. So now he's trying to figure out how he survives in this world. Issue one already came out earlier this year. We did a, uh, We got signed by Black Caravan slash Scout Comics. Now we're doing a Grand State Punk 2. Um, and, but they are one shots. They're individual stories. You don't need one to read the other. This one's about him trying to figure out what he wants to do. The end of last issue, he became straight edge. We're going to see how, whether or not that wake, that uh, worked out for him. The book's called Breaking Edge, so you may be able to figure that out yourself. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it figures this, this wild thing. So let me tell you about this. Here's the real true life story about the, the premise of this comic. So the first witch trial in New Hampshire happened in Hampton Beach. It was this old lady. What she would do is she would yell at people because she hated people. It was like, I hope you and your family die on a boat accident. They would. Uh, and like she would curse people's land. No, no, like spells or anything like that. She would just randomly curse people. They tried her as a witch, sent her to Boston. She she lived there for 20 years. And remember, this time period, like 20 years is a long time. <laughs> uh, they, they, Boston's like, no, we're not taking care of her anymore. They send her back. They, they then build her a hut in the middle of the woods, far away from civilization, and she dies, uh, what's rumored to be starvation, because she was so old she couldn't make it to the town. Anyways... When they find she's dead, a whole bunch of bad things happen in the town. They uh, they get scared. They unbury her, put a stake through her heart, and bury her back and leave her. That's the true life story. That's not me adding a fictional tint to it. Yeah. That's a fun uh, foundation there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. So I was actually reading a bit about that because, you know, I, I used to do uh, Strange Tales Weekly uh, TV show. So, like, when I get a crumb of something like that, I get very interested in the backstory and I start doing some research. There was actually two witch trials that year right. in New Hampshire. The other one's not as interesting, except for that the other one, the woman actually won, like, the trials and actually, like, countersued. And, like, <laughs> it was pretty wild because I mean, those tri- witch trials, like, Salem especially, right. like, are so tragic. Like, it's, it's usually somebody doesn't like somebody, so they call them a witch, and the next thing you know, their life is hell and they're being burned with a stake through them, like... Yeah, we, we tend to forget that we always look to the founding fathers and all this crap. But before that, we had the pilgrims. They were literally the holy zealots that England, what, you want to leave and find a new world? Yeah, please. Please go ahead. Take a boat. How big of a boat you want? We <laughs> get rid of you. Like we, we tend to forget that, that the Northeast is full of these crazy zealots that were too crazy for England and they sent them on a boat. Yeah. And then. The stories are just so tragic. Like, even <laughs> the lady that yours is based on, like, I mean, she was a, she sounds like a bit of a nut job, but right. like, what a horrible life she ended up with. Yeah, there was no, like, the, just that things happened, but as far as any research that I've done, she just yelled at people. <laughs> like, That's right. She mostly just sounded like a really shitty neighbor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And her name's Goody Cole, too, which is uh, extra offensive. Like, I mean, you're going to be called a witch if your name's Goody Cole. <laughs> yeah, she is really excellent foundation for a story. <laughs> so and a, a few years ago, like 20 years ago, they actually decided, hey, just for the record, she is a Hampton resident in good standing, and we no longer <laughs> consider her a witch. I mean, that does a lot, a lot of good in, like, 
2020. Well, if you don't want her coming back to kill you later in life, I mean, right. she's not moving. Yeah. You want to make sure you're covering your bases. Just in case uh, she actually is. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> Just double check in. You're okay. Yeah. We're all clear. Um, so one thing I thought was um, was really cool. Um, I don't remember if I saw you say it on a show or read it or you even mentioned it to me. But um, working with Patrick Bauermeyer, um, that's how you say it, right? Brewmeyer. Brewmeyer. Yeah. Um, on the, the first Granite State Punk. And he's again back for the second one, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I remember he was kind of like a bucket list artist for you. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, if you've ever read his stuff uh, prior, like it's so dark and gritty and very Sean Murphy-esque, but, but with enough of a style to go, you're influenced by, but not, uh, yes. which is great. Uh, and I wanted to get him into the light. So, like, if you look at my stuff versus, I can't even think of the name of the book right now. I don't know why. He Is uh, it um, Discordia? It's actually Discordia, on, yeah, Discordia. That's on uh, Bad Bug, which John actually works with. Yep. Okay. Uh, all of his stuff is really dark. Like it's it's super dark lines, all all outside, dark, 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 dark. Which he does great with. I really wanted to go. If you if you lighten that up and put it in a modern setting, does it work? And in my opinion, he killed it. Everyone in New Hampshire who knows that town when I showed it when I just went to Granite State Con a couple weeks ago, loved it. And we're like, I know that area. I know that because he's really good at grabbing those references. Uh, and he's great to work with. Um, super fun. Uh, we had like four arguments uh, during the book, and all of them I ended up being wrong. And that never happens when you're paying the bill, right? Right. <laughs> but all the time, he was like, oh, I did this because of this, this, and this. And I was like, damn it, you were good. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> no, his style is great. It, uh, it definitely has that chaotic feel that you'd want for a punk rock kind of book anyway. And I think, like you said, some of the darks really work well and some of like the energy of the magic like the purple magic and everything against that kind of darker backdrop really worked well visually and he's a scene kid i mean he he loves punk rock music you know he's, he's oh, right. it, you know he, he believes in it you know we talked about music very early on and our influences and that's why if you notice like he's not wearing any of the garb like he doesn't have tons of patches because i really wanted to represent anybody who loves that because people get so mad like the the sex pistols or the Ramones or all, all punk rock is all about like making sure that you know who you don't like. It's very important. <laughs> it's more important than telling who you do like. So, so I, I intentionally try to do it. And in the first issue, I really made punk rock more of the state of mind than the, the music part of it. This in issue two, we deal with a little bit more of the music. We have a punk rock show. We have all that. But in the first one I really wanted to show for me, punk rock is, a state of mind. It's a hanging out with friends who want to solve the fucking world, but we have no idea how. Oh, uh, no, let me re revise that. We absolutely know how, but we're going to do no effort in doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell you how to solve all these problems, but we don't really want to do it. This kind of describes Generation X in, uh, as a whole. Right, right. <laughs> yep, just leave us alone. We'll leave you alone. <laughs> But we could do it if we tried. Yeah. Right, right. We want to know, you know, we could solve this, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. How, so the locals reacted well to it? Oh, yeah, yeah. They loved it. Uh, it sold better than any other single issue. Uh, obviously, I mean, it was at Granite State Con at Granite State. 
yeah. was funny because everyone around me was telling me how they weren't selling well. And I just had to be quiet, you know, because I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. I'm going out of town. I'm taking all your money. <laughs> um, but they loved it. They loved the patches. Uh, you know, like anyone who's punk rock, they, they love the garb more than they love the book. Right, they're like, so I have to buy a book to get this patch? Yeah, I want that. You don't even know. If you had this patch, it would mean nothing to you. Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> People buy some- this weekend, I did pretty well on my um, blister turntable slip mats. Right, and it's it's blister and Harv and the blister logo, and it's it's an awesome piece of art. Like I love the art on it, and like, it's really striking. But it's weird to me that people will buy that, never having seen blister or caring who these guys on it are. But like you said, it's it's a beautiful piece of art that's on it. I've I think I've got one of those too, and it's uh, you know anybody that's a music nerd. And an art nerd, that's a nice, easy way for, for them to break into it and, you know, spend a little bit of money, but, you know, not sure if they want to commit. So, yeah, I have I a blister it. enamel pin that also does well with, uh, it's just him on a guitar. So, if you play guitar and you're walking by, you're like, oh, that's cool. So, it's, it's cool that there can be crossover like that, but it, it is a weird thing. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's, it, you know, especially when I had the fictional band, I had the, I had the fictional band Yankee Swappers and I had the shirt made, but I didn't really highlight it in the book at all. And people were, why I was talking about it and sharing, you know, that, Hey, we're going to build this. If we do another issue, we're going to make them a big part of it. It was like, Oh, I, I want that shirt. I want that sticker. I want, yeah. Uh, it's a fictional band that I don't even mention. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, so we had to make that a prominent part. So it's, it's wild. The things that the punk rock community resonates with, yeah. uh, but I just find a lot of punk rockers who read the book and really could relate to the characters. It, it, it reminds them a little bit of SLC punk but also like with a modern telling, you know, uh, the only thing I've ever got crap for is the, the theater reference in there. They're like, that breaks it. I was like, no man, like a lot of these punk works are theater kids growing up. Like I'm telling you. <laughs> if I was going to give you crap for anything, it'd be censoring the first F bomb. That is, uh, that is the only thing I've ever agreed with Chuck on when he did that. I was like, you're right. I uh, censoring the first one doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and, you know, it does make sense if it's going to be like a preview online and you want to get a general audience, baby, right. or something. <laughs> but, I, I but... promise the scout one will have a full fuck in there. Fantastic. We, we go full We're going to hold you to that. <laughs> no, it's already done. It's already been discussed. Well, all right. There we go. Uh, but so, this, this is a weird Kickstarter for me because the first one that. I have the publisher, so they had to approve it. There's all these extra rules to do it. Yeah. You know, and the worst part is they have all these rules, but there's no guarantee that they're even going to do this issue. Oh. Right, because it's only it's only a one show. That's all my contract signs of. But they have the option, right, first right of re- refusal. Interesting. Yep. I'm sure they, they, they'll do it. I'm sure they're interested in doing it. But right. as of right now, you know, it's, yeah. it's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wild. So you, how close to Rochester did you grow up? I grew up in Rochester. In Rochester, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you talk about Jetpack Comics and Royal Pizza House, like, if, okay, so I, I come from the Chicagoland area. Pizza is near and dear to Chicagoans. Um, and then there's New York pizza. There's Detroit pizza. Like, if I, if you were going to describe this pizza, how, how would you uh, describe it? And do you, and it, I'll follow up with I'll follow up after you describe it. <laughs> so um, the pizza is uh, kind of an institution. So that it, there's nothing special and everything special about this pizza. It's super greasy. It, it's uh, it's you can tell that you shouldn't be eating it every bite. Um, 
But what's special about it is it went away a long time ago. So this guy, it's a, a brothers from a, one of the brothers climbed Mount Washington and died. He froze to death. Oh, wow. Uh, so growing up, I would also often call the pizza place and go ask for a frozen Louie and Mount Washington special. Not funny. No. <laughs> uh, but eventually he closed it down. But apparently this guy is like wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. And he just leaves it there and uh. goes in periodically, cleans it up. But it still says, come back one day. And we're looking at like 30 years now. Like it's been gone. For oh, wow. Uh, so when you had it, you were a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 30 years is probably exaggerated, probably 25, but it, at least, but it's been there forever. And it's kind of an institution of like, it's a great piece of land that continues to be paid for in the area that everyone who knows that, like who's in Rochester knows Royals Pizza. And if you're not from Rochester, you don't know Royals Pizza, or you at least didn't grow up there, right? You didn't, you came in after Royals of the thing. Um, and then Jetpack Comics is a great comic store. Uh, love those guys. Uh, we're actually talking about having me fly up for free comic book day. Cause that'll be about the time of the release. Uh, so, uh, of it comes out like April. So May is, May is, yeah, a, good May is a good time. Yeah. So we're coming out there and I had to throw them in cause, uh, you know, I've watched them. Uh, I don't know if you know a lot about Rochester, but it's right next to Dover where the Ninja Turtles are from. Oh, okay. So for me growing up, you know, at my age, I'm, I'm 43. Um, I saw the Ninja Turtles my whole life. You know, Kevin Eastman, Peter Lark. I could go to little comic stores and, and they would draw and they would like greet fans and be really good at that stuff. Yeah. So, and then when I got to the point of making uh, to like 1890, like, oh my God, look at this image comics. So for me, you just made an indie comic and you're going to make a million. Like it's just, that's yeah. what I learned. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't true. But yeah, so we have a lot of history there. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, Ninja Turtles history. We have all that stuff right in that area. So it's a very cool vibe, very cool comic, comic area uh, to do that stuff. We also have Joe Hill that lives very close to there, and he's always there doing signings. So it's a it's a dope store. It's very very huge, and I love it. And uh, it's a uh, it's pretty dope. I still have to make a road trip there. I'm actually in Western Massachusetts, so okay. uh, I see Rich Whittle talking about Jetpack all the time. So I love to make it up there at some point. And I uh, live. About 20 minutes away from Northampton, which is where Mirage Studios with the sure, yeah. guys were. So, yeah, great bunch of guys. I've met a bunch of those guys too. And, yeah, just like you said, like seeing them as the gold standard for indie stuff back in the day, it's right. it's crazy. Yeah. Well, you should come to Free Comic Day. It's, uh, it's for Rochester, it's not just a like store event. You know, most comic Free Comic Day, it's just you go to the store, you get your signed copies, you, you leave. The town shuts down, and they actually have all the shops will have free comics. So you can go to each of the stores and all sorts of stuff, and then they'll have creators at various stores as well. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it's it's more than just, you like, you can make a day event of it. And there's, like, a concert at night that they do. All sorts of really cool things. Nice. I'll have to see if I can make that trip. That would be fantastic. Yeah. That sounds like fun. That's awesome. Um, one thing that I found fun reading the book also was uh, one thing I've noticed in reading other punk related books is little threads that kind of connect between them all um, the carry over um, usually I notice them because they connect to something that I wrote um, so one that's one that pops up a lot is um, a band and their first crappy acts like they in my book they dress as dinosaurs for an act um, and I've seen very similar having dressed for things and 
John, what was that, that punk book that you recommended to me um, two years ago? Is it Chunks or? Chunks, yeah. There's yeah almost, I... It's like almost, like, I got I to gotta say, I wrote, I wrote it in my novel before they did it. So I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> I felt, when I read it, I was like, oh, shit, I did that exactly. Like, the scene is almost the exact same yeah. um, where they have to dress up as, I think it's as dinosaurs in Chunks, too. I can't remember. It's been a while since I read that, but I don't know if you, uh, you've you read it, Travis, but it's, I have uh, it, it's uh, by Matt Garvey. He's a UK writer. And yeah, yeah, I know Mark He's Garvey. fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just it's a great. wonderful, really inappropriate humor kind of book. And it's just a ton of fun. They're the pineapple chunks. They're a little punk rock unit out of the UK. <laughs> uh, so. so in reading um, Granite State Punk, there was a little commentary on the dare program and i was like hey i made a commentary on the dare program like it's just fun like the it's because punk the one thing about punk besides like the attitude is the realness like right. it's 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 generally really raw and it's just super honest and that's one thing that's drawn me to punk since i was a kid um and so i think it's fun seeing those nuggets pop up in different places because they're all things that we grew up with uh especially as Generation X and um, punk rock. but Yeah. Um, so this book, I, I think I, I said it in other interviews, but this book was uh, super important to me. So um, I love all my books. You know, I love Broke Down. I love Voodoo Nations. I love Cthulhu. I love all those. But every single one of those, I've had to make a compromise because of financial. You know, it's just reality when you're making comics and you're at this level, you know. Carbon Fallen wouldn't return my calls, uh, so I had to go with somebody else. <laughs> Rob, however, Rob Liefeld would return my calls. That was all. <laughs> Anyways, so I, uh, my grandmother died and left me a bunch of money. Um, oh, oh, some money. Don't don't be robbing me, people. Um, it's all spent. It's all gone. Anyways, I want to do one one book that really really is the way I wanted to do it. So, and that was Great at Say Punk. That's why I hired Patrick. He was a bucket list writer. I really wanted to get Patrick. I really wanted to create this perfect book uh, that I, stuff. And one to write a love letter to New Hampshire. The face falling down really affected me. It really upset me that it's literally everywhere in the state. You can't go anywhere without seeing this. And they're just like, eh, fuck it. Let's, uh, let's let, it, let it be down. Like, no, that's the things you fight for. Like, I don't yeah. understand. Um, and, but then when I started writing it, uh, because it really... Um, the original concept of the book was a story that I heard here locally. It's this guy. He, he used to live at this house. He goes to this old lady's lady's house and says, Hey, I left a time capsule here when I was growing up and uh, we sold the house, but I'd like to get it. Can I bury it? I'm buried. She's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. So she, he unburies it. He's like, Oh, this isn't what I remember it looking like. Brings it to the old lady. And the old lady's like, that's my father's ashes. Oh, and he's like, <laughs> so that's the radio story. So I wanted to write that story. But in this story, you know, they were going to be the, the bones part of the story where there's going to be a, a serial killer. He finds like, oh, my God, there's a bunch of bodies here. And finds yeah. ladies, a killer trying to murder the whole thing. And then me, myself just started coming through, like, like who I was and like what I'm angry about and like. My voice, this is the closest to my, like, inner monologue that it is because I have ADD and, like, attention. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and I'm angry about stuff. I mean, if you follow me on Facebook, I'll, I'll randomly make rants, like like the D.A.R.E. program, things that, like, frustrate me that we live in a society that these things are right. So 
I really leaned into that. The story then changed from there and really became more about the mountain, uh, the man on the mountain, and how it felt, the face fell off and all that. Um, and then as I've done, too, the same thing. I came to beaches. I grew up. That's where I spent my summers and, and did stuff. So I wanted to reflect on that from me playing Mortal Kombat to going to shows uh, to, to being straight edge but not fully understanding what that meant, right? Like, I wanted the X's on my arm, but I didn't necessarily want all the responsibility, right? When someone's like, oh, that's no sex, too. I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't get that memo. Where is not that? up for that at all. <laughs> show, me, uh, show me where that is. <laughs> um, so, so it really, you know, that's why I really wanted to address that, that straight edge thing. And, like, the realness of it is when we're young and we put those X's on our arms, like, it was, it was to make a statement, like, I'm trying to, like, not fit. I want to be so nonconformist. But we, we haven't lived enough to decide, like, that's that's a lifestyle, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? So it was interesting. So I wanted to express a little bit of that. And I also wanted to express, like, the the things that really upset me when I was growing up. I used to hate it that I had the big X's. And they'd be like, all right, we're going to stamp you uh, to say you're not going to drink. And I'm like, I've got the X's. Like, what more do you need? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> And the people trying to push me to reform, I was like, I'm fighting conformity here. What are you talking about? Why are you pushing me forward? Because <laughs> we want to see the effing show. Oh, okay. So we compromise. <laughs> so all that being said, you know, the, this is probably the most personal book to me. Um, and I think it shows in my writing. I think it shows in Patrick's art. Like, I think Patrick gets it too, the passion of it. Because I, I see it, like, he can tell that these characters are 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 super important to me. So he... he emphasizes you know how they look and act and if i i want them to be in a certain position he like really adjusts to that i think that that's that's really great that's awesome um so when it comes to the aa bookends um like is is that something is there something in your life that clearly if i put the x in my hand now does it count <laughs> Well, it's uh, funny because I was reading Voodoo Nations earlier today just to kind of prep. And I was like, oh, he's going straight edge, like with the characters in the first issue of that, too. And I'm like, interesting. So there is a theme here going on. There, there so. is a theme. They're, they're unconnected, though. Yeah. So my mom, uh, my mom, when I was like 12 years old, decided to go into AA. Um, and uh, it kind of changed her, her whole trajectory. My dad was still a drug addict, and, you know, so it was wild trying to figure that out. So I've never been in AA, but I've had to go to tons of meetings with my mom, like, as a kid, you know, because I'm 12 years old. What are you going to do with me? So I'm, I'm watching them and watching these people and watching how they don't care about each other and, like, how – that. here's the messed up thing about AA. So you go into AA to, to get better, right? But by doing so, and because it's in your mind the way the AA program works – you've got to develop all yourself into this instead of drink it. So your whole goal is to probably fix your family. You're not going to spend any time with your family because you're going to these damn meetings all the time. So it's this vicious circle. Yeah, you're better, but try to tell that to a 12 year old kid who just, who has promised he's going to get his mom back, but his mom's at a meeting every night of the week. Right. Like, so I just, I got a little anger about that, that I'm still addressing. Um, years later, I, um, I, uh, I got into the church scene, um, and the church group that I have, because again, I can't conform in any circle, was a hardcore screamcore metal band called Sleeping Giants. The band in Voodoo Nations is a real band. Uh, Tom Green, and there, a lot of them are straight edge. So that's where that came okay. from. 
Um, and it and it correlates with he's drinking later, you know, and he was he was straight edge. So there's a alcoholism is a, a big thing that I talk about in a lot of my books uh, because it did affect me uh, various ways growing up, and and still kind of affects me um, in different ways, you know. But yeah, yeah. So I, that's that's where all that comes from. So earlier I was thinking about some um, punk rock things that relate to like some punk music and stuff to talk about or think about. And one thing sure. I was gonna I was going to ask everybody if they had a particular punk song or any any music really that like ties to the occult that they like. Um, and then I, I wasn't sure if I was going to ask it. I was going to send it ahead of time because I thought that was one of those things that would, could stump somebody. <laughs> People sitting on screen thinking for like 10 minutes about song. Right. song. But uh, in doing so, I was sitting there thinking about what would I say. And I came up with Rancid's um, Django song and in it he's he sings because uh, it, it was just kind of like the imagery in it was um Django, you drag your coffin around all around town just like a dead man does and like i've always every time i've heard this song like there's been visuals in my head that go along with it that were pretty cool um and but then when i was thinking about the song a little further because uh, you know you listen to songs all the time and you listen to albums you don't really think too deeply about the lyrics sometimes and i right. realized in some of the lyrics that he's actually singing about like drug use and carrying your, your like if you're you're doing these this heroin and things like he lists a few things in the songs and you're basically just dragging your coffin around town like with you like this is that's where you're gonna end up and so then when I was thinking about that then it hit me like the AA thing hit me and I was <laughs> had it all started tied together in this weird way so it's kind of cool I don't know if you guys have a song off the top of your head you don't have to answer that because it's kind of on the spot but it was just kind of something I wanted to mention that kind of came up when I was thinking about this earlier. I mean, there's tons, right? I mean, there it, is. There's so many almost that I think it's hard to think about them. I can think of more bands, specific bands that kind of deal with that as like horror pops and creep show and things like that that uh, definitely have more of a horror and occult theme to them. But uh, yeah, a specific song off the top of my head, I'm I, I'm horrible on the spot, unfortunately. <laughs> well, and, and horror punk is like a, a genre, right? You know, right. That's yep. Misfits were kind of in there, the Blitz Kids, all that. You know, yep. so you got that's kind of its own subgenre. And then I even think of like movies like SLC Punk. Like in the middle of it, they've got the, the witches and the doing the sounds and the stuff. Right. And it's so very punk rock, right? Like I remember being a kid, being yep. in random situations talking to people about how they believe in ghosts or how they can astral project and like me being a young kid going please tell me more like super fascinated yeah. studying it for weeks and going i don't give a shit about any of this i don't know why i'm studying it so hard <laughs> Every time because at some point scrolling through and um joe rogan's talking about like some his experiences on mushrooms i'm like that <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, you first. I was just going to say, going on the music thing again, I was just kind of wondering, what what would you say Zeke's favorite band would be? I mean... Uh, well, Zeke's favorite band is the fictional band uh, Yankee Swappers. So let's Um, say, like, what what kind of (laughs) feel do they have? uh, They would be uh, a late a, a late clash when they started okay. to like add a, a little bit of the 80s flair to it. Yep. Uh, even though I prefer the earlier clash, he would kind of like, like I think he's kind of, um, I think Zeke is one of those people who like loves punk, 
uh, loves the music, but the music, he, he's so punk that they, it can't define him. So he refuses to let it define him. He's one of those guys who's like the very difficult punk guy to like hone down because if you think you get him, he has to flip the script because he's yeah. one of those guys, right? You, you think of, being in New Hampshire, that makes me think of the lead singer from The Queers. Right. right. <laughs> right. He is, I can't think yeah. of his name, but he is, anytime I read anything, yeah, there you go. Yep. He, <laughs> Every time you see him talk or hear him, he's like just like this grumpy man that's like against everything. Right. I mean, they, what's the one song like? Uh, I hate everyone, or so like it's so it's kind of in them, anyways. <laughs> yeah, they're hundred yeah, percent sarcasm. So yeah, they're it's so crazy that he hasn't got canceled. Uh, <laughs> like, yes, that's true. Too. <laughs> His tongue is firmly in cheek the whole time. I'm hoping that's why he can kind of slag through on a lot of it. But yeah, I, I totally get it. There's a couple songs that are your like, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, they just have such a good sense of humor and sarcasm that I would hope for the same reason, like dead milkmen have that kind of sense of right. humor to it that I would hope that that's what carries them through a little bit. <laughs> I mean, the punk scene, like when you really like think about it, it's so funny. It's, by the time they these people make it, they're starting to get in their thirties, and they're talking about high school problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This doesn't even relate to you anymore, guys. <laughs> yeah. That's why I appreciate some bands like Bad Religion and stuff that actually like take on issues and things like that right. more, more societal. Uh, like I love a good like love song um, and like dating song and things like that. But most of the ones that I listen to are the ones that I listened to when I was a kid going through that stuff, you know? <laughs> uh, Travis, you, so between like broke down and expired and um, now with Voodoo Nations and, um, and with Grand State Punk, you've got quite a range in writing. How do you pick your projects? Like, how do you decide what you're going to go after and what they all have to, I mean, you have, there's the general indie audience, but the, all of those kind of have their own, sub audiences how how does what's that like that's a great question uh i don't know uh to be completely honest i kind of pick things that i'm interested in and trying to figure out the right vibe right so broke down in four dead bodies i really wanted to write a crime i really wanted to write uh dialogue that really pops and really right right simulates you because i i think my strength because i come from a uh, screenplay writing is my my dialogue is really strong and then I flip the script and go, all right, well, let's get really into like deep weeds and like uh, with Voodoo Nations, because Voodoo Nations, like if you have a religious tent, that book is has a lot of double meanings and stuff. Let me show you that. And then Broke Down was like, let's try it. And then Granite State Punk was like, let's mix those two things together like and see if, see if it sticks. Um, and then as I've learned, I've realized like nobody wants regular people. Like it sucks. Like I love if I just have regular people, like they're less interested. So I've got to have these monsters, or I got to have something cool visually because I'm not going to go to the movie books, right? So I got to have the coolest things. Uh, so that's kind of my vibe on that. But I try to, I try to have something to say. That's that's kind of my new thing. You know, when it broke down, I didn't really have anything to say. I just want to tell a cool story. Now, like everything has to say something. So Voodoo Nation's a sub thing. It's about a guy, a guy who's like going off the deep end, and a wife who's fighting for him. Like that's the, the sub thing. Grand State Punk is about alcoholism, and how it's not just a quick fix. You know, what does that look like? And then being angry at the society that made this situation, and how you deal with that. Uh, 
Expired is actually owned, is owned by somebody else. He kind of created the universe, but I wrote it. But it's all about like Egypt and like what that that's about. So I'm trying to add a lot of these extra stuff to to build it. Uh, we've got Coins of Judas coming out. That's why I'm wearing my Bands of Bard shirt, um, and that's kind of uh, just really playing on religion and what that looks like, and kind of the stuff and superhero fun, like just having fun with comics. Because I think we miss that. I I think I miss that when I'm telling all these big stories, right? Right. I found that um, as I've gotten older, my comics uh, tend to be more about me and my thoughts and more like therapeutic than right. anything. I used to, when I first started doing comic stuff, it was superhero parody stuff. And then I got into the sci-fi stuff right before, well, while I was working on Blister. Okay. And um, now it's pretty much become therapy for me. It's cheaper than therapy. As expensive as comics are, it's cheaper than therapy. So. <laughs> Well, and you, you know when it works, right? So that there's a part in bro- broke down where I stop and I'm like, you're bored. And I address the audience and you're bored. And so many people have come to me like, I was absolutely bored in that spot. I was like, I know, like, I, I get it. And like, I, I've always done this, like, even like broke down, I've always wanted to show like, I've, I've studied this my whole life. I know how to tell a story like broke down. I made it like Pulp Fiction to start on purpose and then change the script as it went. And like, see, you thought it was Pulp Fiction, but I'm just making you familiarize. But then I realized how stupid that is because no one knows you. So they're just like, oh, it's a rip off of Pulp Fiction. I want to read that shit. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I get that so, a lot when I go to comic shows, like those pitches of, uh, you like my comic if you like this and this. Right. They don't work for me because one example I think of like a handful of years ago, Somebody pitched something as being like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and something else. And when mm-hmm. they said that, I was like, oh, that's right. Buffy had that series that was really supposed to be really good. And I, instead of looking at their book, I went on Amazon and I ordered <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> um, and I know, that, I know it does work for a general audience uh, in some, if you do it right. But it's one thing that's like never really worked for me. Um, no, I, I, I agree. Uh you know, just trying to write something that, I mean, I want to do this long term. I'm going to do anything to do to stay in it. So, uh, you know, I'm going to do it itself because anything can inspire people. I mean, Eric, you inspired my family last last night. Like, for real. I was talking to my daughter. She's like, you just found out she was watching The Simpsons. I was like telling my wife about the the, the plot, one of the plot points uh, in your book, you know, about uh, The Simpsons. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody because I think right. it's a part of the book. And... She's like, what? Somebody, somebody did that to Mr. Burns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did oh, it? Yeah. Yeah, right? She then spent like a little bit and running, pausing and running out and telling me it's Smithers. He said he did it. I was like, keep watching. <laughs> That's hilarious. Homer's being arrested. Yeah, keep watching. There's more. No, 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 Homer. I'm like, I promise you there's more. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's great. Um, so you're... The Orange Cone Productions, yeah, uh, or is that Orange Cone Productions? Um, the I just wanted to pretty much just wanted to say that's like as far as brands go out there in indie comics, that is like one brand. Like I watch what you do, and um, you probably even see every now and then I might steal something that you did because I just think I think you're doing a great job with building that brand. Like there's a handful of people that I watch for branding, but. They're, most of them are outside of comics. Like you're like the one that I'm like I, when I didn't know about Substack, um, right. and I liked what you were doing Substack, so I started looking into it. And I really like their system. So 
I've been uh, trying to use that pretty regularly. And yeah, it's definitely a very well-known brand for sure. I see it all the time. And uh, one thing I was looking at earlier, I was looking at the, your website. Uh, I noticed that you have the store that has a lot of the physical copies, but I didn't notice any digital. Do you have any place to buy digitally? Uh, I did until Comicsology went crazy. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do need. Uh, I do need to fix that and get it. Uh, it's so weird because I. My goal is always to sell these properties, right? I never wanted to be a publisher. I know I'm good at it. Like I, I, I get that. Yeah. But I think that you know someone who's a good editor, right? They they can edit. They can edit anything. But if their dream is to be a writer. The more they edit, the, for the longer time, eventually they're just going to become an editor, right? You look at Chuck. Chuck loves to write, but he struggles with it because he's like, I'm always throwing this editor hat, and that's where I make the bucks. So same thing with me. Like, I want to be a writer. So even though I've got all these things publishing-wise, I, I want to be a writer. That's what I want to be known for. I don't want to be doing yeah. That being said, like, there's always a new idea, right? Like, I got, I promise you, next year this time, you'll be yelling at me because of something that we've been planning for a year. We've been planning this very <laughs> cool thing that no one's thought about, but it's going to shake up Kickstarter for a little bit. And it, people are going to be mad at me. Like that's that stuff. Cause I've got these really good ideas cause stuff, but it's not what I want to be. I want to be a writer and I want to be known for my writing. I want to do that. And how do you do that? And also be respectful to your giftings, right? Like just because I want to do that, like if I'm good at something while well, I do that. So I don't know. I'm still trying to, balance all that out uh you know we even looked at this year there's a couple people who submitted to us like what does that look like you know when it's not yep. me and my wife and jerome are doing stuff what, what do we do you know and hopefully i get to a point where i can kind of level up and there'll be room in the orange cone catalog to help other people grow and maybe i'll do a book to keep it going but uh right now we're just trying to figure that out and i'm i've got a lot of direct market stuff coming next year how does that balance i i don't know any of that stuff guys like it's it's a mess but i'll figure it out <laughs> you, you just need to start leveling up to get that minion status so that you can get the other people doing it for you right exactly 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 turn off the system too far, right <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's everybody's dream right now. But um, just to uh, one last thing on the uh, Granite State Punk, or at least sure. from me, is uh, you, these are, like you said, one shots. Now, do you have more in the pipeline? If, or is uh, it just the two for now? Or I, I actually plan on doing four at least. Now. I actually, this is the first book I've ever said this to. Like, I don't plan on stopping. Oh, uh, assuming I can afford it, assuming I can get a good, because I really like it. Um, I've always been a huge fan of John Constantine, and I feel like I'm writing that young punk rock John Constantine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's yeah. I was actually thinking that you know this def this kid could definitely be a nice Americanized version of John Constantine for sure. And I was yeah, I was thinking he you know Constantine had the punk band in his youth. Which does every for the trivia for the episode does everybody remember the name of the band? Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, I actually put put notes on this. Mucus membrane is the name Mucus of John Constantine. Morph. Yes. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I actually thought about that. But then we were talking about, well, we shouldn't talk about mashing up Buffy and stuff. And I'm like, well, I shouldn't make mention of it. But <laughs> since, since you brought it up, uh, yeah. yeah. So, but oh, I, same. It's yeah. heavily influenced, but but the way I tell it, you know, because it doesn't tell like a Constantine story, right? To, you know, he's. 
he's always the smartest guy in the room because of what he's doing, not because of the dialogue. Where I do the unreliable narrator part, right? Or like I get to play play with that. Uh, and I'm there's stuff I'm gonna do that makes it very different in the future. <laughs> yeah, right. And I gotta say, I love the breaking the fourth wall and addressing the reader directly is fabulous. I like just his smarmy attitude talking right at you and i'm like that i'm all for that so i really appreciate that tone you have with it that's one thing so um i recently did that um worked with you guys on that mashup print with um while actually i have a i have that first game i've not been good at showing stuff on screen but um so this um mashup i drew uh link um and punked it up but the um what i was i wanted to add quotes onto it because I think that most, like, punk art and, like, the work juxtaposition of the words and pictures is like comics. Like, yeah. I think that it just works well together, so I like to have words on there. So I, um, when I picked out the quotes, I was, like, looking back through it, some of the scenes that I liked, and, um, and the, the one that stuck out to me was the one where he mentions that he watched re- a lot of wrestling as a kid. And uh, I just I liked that scene because just, like, as, like, it, the punk rock rebel, like, it was just... <laughs> Cracked me up. He's like, tells his parents, suck it, and runs away from the witches. Like, <laughs> yeah, was... I'm trying to. When I, I find when like TV does punk, not like stuff like SLC punk, which he's clearly in the scene, but when someone tries to represent punk, they always try to make them like super edgy. But, but what, what punk is when you ever get a punk kid agitated, they're just ridiculous. Right, mm-hmm. they'll do like a DXX, or like they'll quote, you know, the misfits, or they'll quote a Johnny Rotten quote. And you're just like, what are you doing? What's that? <laughs> like, and that's what I love about punk rock. Like, we we so rebel against all, all things trademarks, but we wear as much of it as we can. Yeah. Like, as many brands as we can. Last night, the Bull Weevils, uh, Dwayne is on stage and he's um, he's ranting against commercialism and right. um, all this, like, all why, why does everybody have all their stuff and all this? And then when he's done, he's like, by the way, we're selling a bunch of shit in the back of the room. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> very tongue-in-cheek and very, um, like, he very much knew what he was doing. It was funny. Yep. It's so much part of the scene, so I wanted to write the realistic of, of a punk kid who grew up in the '90s. You know, he's got to say "suck it" because that anything that rebels against systems, they're watching, right? So the attitude error is 100% a punk rock thing at the time. All my punk rock friends that I knew growing up all watched that shit <laughs> and loved it because Stone Cold spoke to them because CM Punk wasn't around yet. <laughs> and Degeneration X, right? Degeneration. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you you are a wrestling fan, I've noticed online in the past. Yeah, I um I, I used to be a real wrestling fan. Now I just occasionally watch right. it. You know, I'll watch the big four, the Royal, Royal Rumble, and I'll watch occasional upset to catch up, but um I, I like I love storytelling and, and storytelling in unique ways, you know, like comic books, like like wrestling. Anything anything that tells stories in a non traditional way, like I love. You know, the movies that I resonate to are, you know, the Quentin Tarantino movies or, or SLC Punk or, you know, TV I watch, Mr. Robot. So I, I love things that are they're taking stories and they're twisting them in a, in a weird way. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, we're winding down soon, but uh, Halloween's coming up. Yeah. So, we thought we might 
run talk about some uh, old Halloween favorites. Is there so first off, you your last couple books between Voodoo Nations and Granite State Punk. Those are your last two now. But, well, Cthulhu uh, also. Um, like they they got the horror thing in them. Like you've definitely dipped more recently into horror than you had previously. Uh, is there a horror film or director or somebody that you you find inspiration from or something that you loved like your whole life that? Yeah, um, you know, old old horror I loved. You know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was my dude. I'm a Freddy guy, Freddy kid all the way. Um, you know, but I watched all of them from Sleepaway Camp to Jays and Halloween, all that stuff. And then for modern horror, I really love the Insidious series. Like, I love Insidious. I think it's a great series. Again, you know, taking the horror thing out of the elements, the kid who's possessed, it's the family that's possessed, it's the individual person instead of the house or whatever. Uh, but I'll watch uh, multiple horror movies <laughs> a year, month, whatever. I, I'm not like one of those horror fanatics. Like I don't go to like we have Halloween Horror Nights that's here. Like people right. do every weekend. I don't have like a Child's Play doll, but I can tell you every <laughs> Child's Play movie, and I've watched every, every single one of them all the yep. time. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love horror. Um, I love I love the fighting against. Uh, it's one of the few things left in this world where it's good versus evil, right? It's always good versus evil. You yeah. don't root for the you never root for someone who has any evil intent, right? Like, it, so it's it's really interesting when you watch it, especially when you watch like someone like The Purge, right? The minute someone does something you don't agree with, you're against that guy in The Purge, which yeah. is weird, like because it shouldn't be like that. Like for me, did you see the latest Purge, the Texas one? Not yet. So the latest Purge is Texas one. Unfortunately, um, it's the. So the last Purge movie before that, they, they stopped the Purge. That was the big thing. And then apparently a new, uh, like four years passed, and then a new election happens, and they just bring it back. Uh, <laughs> I was super excited that movie because they didn't say that, like in any of the previews. I thought it was just Texas going, no, fuck that. We're still doing the Purge. And that's so Texas. And I was yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, in the last, I think the last horror movie I saw is I saw the last um, – What's his name? He did uh, Get Out. He's done. Um, oh, Nope oh, yeah. from Jordan Peele. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jordan yeah. Peele. Uh, I mean, he's creating. I haven't seen Nope yet, but he is amazing. Yes. Agreed. He's creating amazing things that, and not giving you answers. I love I love stuff that doesn't give yeah. you answers. Yeah. That's why he was perfect for that uh, Twilight Zone series. Yeah. I only watched the first season of his on there. I think he's got two, two now. I forgot but, all uh, about that. Yeah. yeah. They were really good. Like, I was. I was really digging those, and I've I loved his comedy before that. So I, I think he's another one that jumps has jumped genres and been amazing at it. Yeah, I mean, I followed. Uh, so growing up, this is probably going to make I'm going to probably lose backers for this. Uh, I was a huge fan of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I loved Dawson's Creek because I wanted to be a filmmaker. So I like wanted to be Dawson. I was always getting cheated on. So I was like. Yeah, I totally get this show. Like, I'm just a nice guy. Everyone's fucking me over. You just didn't want to wait for your life to be over. I just didn't. <laughs> the only reason why I watched it is because he wrote Scream. The only reason why yeah. it was it was a heart. I was like, it's got to be good. He wrote Scream. Yeah. Scream is the best movie ever. <laughs> Five seasons in, waiting for that twist, and just never, never came. <laughs> Not a single murderer. <laughs> 
one of these days it's coming. <laughs> you mean, what are we waiting for? Their life to be over, and it's not <laughs> Never did get that satisfaction, did you? Right. <laughs> I think in the horror thing, uh, I don't have anything specific, but all I could think of when we were starting to talk about it is I, I found a wonderful website called, I think it's uh, doesthedogdie.com. And it's like, it's amazing how many like movies, like I could, you could kill, you know, a murderer could kill everybody on screen the entire time. But if I see them kill a dog, I'm like, no, I need to turn this off. I can't do it. So it's, it's nice that it's like, you can, it's a little quick reference. You can be like, okay, dog survives. We're good. We can watch this movie. So at least John Wick got that over with really early. Yeah, I saw a whole bunch of that in for Prey. Like everyone saw the watch Prey for a minute, saw that the dog was in a bad situation. Was like, nope, I'm out. I'm like, yeah. keep watching, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that might be the one where I looked it up because I think somebody mentioned it on that, and I was like, ah, I, I got to check this out. And, I got yeah. to be careful. Yep. <laughs> Predator is a weird one in terms of horror to me, where I love the Predator movies. Um, right. Even like they're and you know. 70% of them aren't good, but I still love them. Oh, yeah, and, you got to um, watch them anyway. But <laughs> the, the, thing that, the thing that is weird to me is that it's like Travis was saying about rooting for the bad guy. With Predator, they always lose. It's like, why is that even, why is that alien even scary? He comes down and gets killed every time. Like, I, it's just, it's weird that it's like the series of movies about the ones that suck. Like, I want to see the ones that are badass now. That's why I really like the Batman Predator crossover. You ever read that? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, where you know, in the first one, like, he's like, all right, you won. Here you go. And leaves. And then in the second one, he comes, he brings his son to fight Robin. Right. Of, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, that first one was beautiful. Like, start to finish the artwork and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of those DC Dark Horse things back in the day were fabulous. Those things are. Have you ever read the Alien Stormwatch crossover? No, I forgot about I that. If so if, that. if you could ever get it in like a dollar bin or whatever, it's in continuity. The aliens oh, win yeah. and kill a whole bunch of them. The next issue of Stormwatch, they're legitimately dead. I oh, thought wow. that was the best. That's great. Oh shit! All right. Yeah. yeah. Probably never happened. <laughs> there were stakes. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. What about you, Eric? What do you got for our movies? Oh, you know, I was always, um, I was big into the Amityville series. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Like, actually, I went to, um, I went to New York uh, for a concert a few years ago, and um, I had never been to New York City and stuff, so we, we actually went to Jersey for the concert. Um, it was my birthday. We went to New York City for my birthday the next day, and then as it was getting later in the day, I was like, Amityville's around here. Like, I need to go to Amityville. So we drove out to Amityville and we found the house and stuff. And um, like, it was, it was creepy. Like just going to Amityville, <laughs> like um, it's a perfectly normal place, but having seen all the movies and stuff, but Amityville is one of my favorites. And then the Halloween series, uh, speaking of series is where 90% of them suck. I still always loved Michael Myers. And it's funny though, that. because they, you know, the, some of them were iffy. But, you know, four and five, as much as people deride a lot of the stuff in that, they were building a new mythology. And I actually respected that they were kind of making him a different character. There was something else going on. There was a mystery man in the background. And then 
they came out with the next one and my buddy and I for years in between the two that came out we were like okay this is what's going to happen no this is what's going to happen then it came out and it was just god awful druid bullshit and we were like but you but and they just abandoned. Is that the one with the with the cameras or with the um, yeah with the reality show thing? No, there was one before that where I think I can't remember if like Paul Rudd might have been in it. It was horrible. But at any rate, the four and five I actually enjoyed. And then you know you build up in your head, you know, as a writer, you're like, this is what's going to happen. No, this is not what's going to happen, and it's going to suck. I don't but. know why, but Michael Myers was always on the bottom of my stack. Like it was Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers. Like I was like in Leatherface. I was like, oh yeah, he made movies too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Freddy was definitely top tier for me too. I think that ever since um, I don't know where which one it was, might have been even the first one where he had the hypodermic needles in his hand. That uh, I'm not a needle person, so I think that fucked me up on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was like, I don't think that was the first one. Maybe it was. I was going to say third originally. Yeah. That might have been Dream Warriors. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's either one. Dream Warriors or it's, it's three or four. It's one of those two. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that might, I think that might have been where I kind of dipped from that one. But <laughs> I will say, since I didn't actually put a movie out earlier, like the Evil Dead stuff was always oh, like yes. Bruce Campbell and like, the, I, you can discount the first one completely, but Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness were just like... I obviously love like horror and comedy, so the two mashed together was perfect for me. Yeah. So um, along those lines, kind of is uh, Peter Jackson's uh, Dead Alive. Yes, loved that as uh, in, in high school. Like that was, it didn't have to be around Halloween. It was whenever we would throw that thing on. Like, was, oh God, yeah, the Rat Monkey and all the yeah, like, the lawnmower so. scene. Like oh man. Yeah, and if you wow. if you're talking to any horror guy and you talk about the bowl of soup scene, everyone's gonna know yeah. what the fuck you're talking about. So yeah, well, so I, gross. I was a huge fan of Poltergeist. You know, yes, like, yeah, especially the scene where he's picking the zit and pulling off his face and like being a yeah. teenager watching that, and you're like, maybe I shouldn't touch my face. They keep telling me not to. Touch my face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> so that's what happens. Damn it. Yeah. Part um, two actually scared the crap out of me too. And that tequila worm scene was yeah. nuts. Yeah. I, I huge fan of the Poltergeist series. I, I, I love, I love that stuff. You know? Awesome. I think my internet might be acting wonky. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yep. Yeah. You're so fine. far so good. Okay. Yeah, the scream and Chucky, I've always liked Chucky. And even I like Chucky growing up now even further. Like once I've talked, because if you think of Chucky, he's always been able to like evolve to what like horror is at the time and then bring himself back to like, all right, take me seriously again. And I love that because he's the only one who's been able to successfully do it. Right. Once you put Jason in space and in Manhattan, like you really, you lost him. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, that one, the space one was, like, it was horrible, but it was delightful at the same time. The holodeck right. part was freaking hilarious, so it's like, again, I like that little bit of humor tinge to things, and I think going back to the Chucky thing, the TV series has been wonderful. It's oh, just, like, the, the humor in that has just been on point. It's been wonderful. So. Well, and they're really good in the Chucky series of playing, because it's all done by the same guy, which is great. Uh, the same guy's done the whole the whole smack, which is which is amazing as a writer. Yeah, it is. Do that, 
but you had the one like the mid series with the girl in the wheelchair. I can't think of which one it was where you look, you thought it was a re, uh, a reboot, and it yeah. wasn't. He you know ripped off the co- the the old the suit that was on top of him, and he's like, oh look, I'm still messed up from all the stupid times. Yep. Um, and and it just made sense. Chucky, what was great about Chucky too is like in the third movie when he's just like, I'm not going to go after this fucking kid anymore. There's other kids. Like, that <laughs> guy just makes me so feel good. When you look at Michael Myers, he's like, no, nah, I'm still mad at Jamie Lee Curtis. Right? <laughs> no. 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 How dare she like pay attention to her boyfriend? I'm not over <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, um, man, this has been a lot of fun. You want to do uh, one final pitch for Granite State Punk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you want to live? You want to live free or die? You want to learn more about this series? You want to get it before it becomes a corporate sellout because it sold out to the man of Black Caravan and Scout? Please look <laughs> up Granite State Punk. GraniteStatePunk.com. You can get issue one. Um, and then you get the spinoff, uh, Granite State Punk, Breaking Edge, uh, right now, very, very affordable. And like all Orange Crown projects, you're going to get it very fast. We uh, always complete. I just got the last page from Patrick today. So it is right on par to be finished by the time the Kickstarter is done. That's awesome. And one last thing, you have something going on with Drumsticks of Doom with that as well, right? Yeah, we have, we have two crossover prints. So we have a crossover print. Eric has been part of both Granite States. He uh, did a cover for issue one. Uh, that very few people got to see because it's a sub stack. Nice. We actually, I had to look it up. There's only 12 of those. Um, what I love about that is I go, hey, Eric, can you draw something like this? And he was like, <laughs> and he just drew it. He, he was like, <laughs> I, yeah, there was a, there was, the communication was a little bit weird on that one. And then I finished it. And then Travis was like, that's not what I was looking for, but I still like it. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, hey, uh, you know, we want to get the same kind of feel as the cover. And he literally did the cover in his style. Like oh, Patrick's awesome. art with his art, which is great, and Patrick loves it. Um, and there's I'm glad because only... I felt weird about it afterwards. So I'm glad that he, <laughs> he wasn't like, "What the fuck did that guy do?" <laughs> uh, so, and we we only printed twelve of those. That was the early Substack before people really got the Substack thing of it. And I think I sent you like four. Yeah. I've got one. Patrick's got one. So literally, not many people have that book. You guys need to sell out soon so I can sell these bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Also, um, not a gold mine. <laughs> it, it is the lowest print run of all the books. Um, it is the lowest print run. I think of all my books. Um, so there's that. There's the print that he showed earlier. If you back all on that, you get that. If you back Drumsticks of Doom, which is a great book, which is I'm shocked that it's not funded. I don't know what's going on over there. I know that's a, looks yeah. so wonderful. It it's so good. Like I read the first issue. It was a lot of fun. I don't know what's going on at all. But uh, if you back that, you also get another. Um, uh, you, you get a, a pick that will be a reversal pick on both of our books. Which is pretty very cool. I can't wait to get those because I'm a backer on all three of those books. Nice. That's nice. You can check it out. Yep. So, but yeah, the, the uh, actual, the greatest save, the one that you did, I'm going to make it a flip. So I just announced that we're doing the the regular art before you modify it. So it's going to yeah. be a flip. You'll get a print of both. So you'll see the regular and then you'll see the, the yours. Nice. It's cool. cool. It's awesome. I'd give two separates, but most people throw their prints away. Let's be honest. So I'm not. Mine end, up, mine end up in a box that I have full of stuff that I don't know. Maybe one day I'll regift. But some of I like. I love things like you know. It's funny. I was actually just looking at it today when I pulled out Granite State Punk. I keep. I kept all the extras in the back for that yeah. one. Usually I just toss them in the back. So that's 
kudos to you guys. That made <laughs> uh, the patch on there. It was funny because I was looking around the room yesterday, and there's not as many of the guys with the jackets with the patches, but there's a few of them that uh, were at that show in particular. And I was just thinking that it would be fun to put together a jacket full of patches for, like, fake punk bands and mu- musicians, like, from the comics and stuff. That that actually would be dope. Like, take all all carvings, just start making patches, and then they're like, "Oh, I've never heard of that band." Oh, they're great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've never really been great at like between. So when me, John, and Ben talk, they're a little deeper than me. I'm I I know some things, but I'm a little more mainstream with some of yeah. my my picks. And so I've never been one that could really hold a great conversation alone, like regarding like smaller bands and stuff. There's there's a ton that I love, but I'm not as good at that. And so it's just like it'd be funny to have that, and nobody under- knows any of those fans. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm super deep. <laughs> like, you would be the coolest guy in the room, like you would be- <laughs> always. <laughs> like, oh damn! And make sure it's denim and sleeveless. That's important. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, well, Travis it, couldn't have bought it. Yeah, <laughs> this has been great, Travis. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's, yes, I, thank I you for joining us. I love that we didn't really talk about it much. We talked about the lore of the book, but one of the things that I love in stories is some good background and lore, and um, I can't wait to dig more into that with the second issue. Um, really looking forward to that. So, I'm still waiting for my blister. When's it, when's it coming? Yes, oh, man. I have them in my room right now, and I just got the boxes in. I have to do a drawing um, for my raffle, and then I'm going to start packaging them up this week. Okay. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, re- I'm ready for it. Of all the things that I want to rip off on Orange Cone, one thing I want to rip off on is getting my shit out right after the Kickstarter. It's <laughs> <laughs> not the case this time, but well, to be fair, I did have changed my rules. So my rule now is I have to send up the digital before I launch the next thing, and that's only because of the paper shortage. Like the paper shortage. Yeah. Like if, if I would follow the paper shortage, I'd only be able to do like two or three books a month, uh, two or yeah. three bucks a year, just because of how long it's taking. Uh, and then we just had the hurricane. I don't know if you know, my printer's comic impressions. They're total. They're destroyed. Oh, oh they're, geez. They're, they're not 100% destroyed, but they lost the building. They had to pull up all the carpets. Like, they're a mess. They're going to take a while to get back in printing. So Wow. These shortages are a real thing. Like, right now, um, I know I was just wrapping up the show, so we'll have to probably rewrap up the show. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, I, so I started getting Image Comics has um, the furthest place from here comic was coming with a seven-inch record. Yeah, and so um, I had my shop getting that. Well, they got the first one. A few months later, they got the second one, and now they're saying it could be several months before the third one is done because of the vinyl shortages. And meanwhile, the series—I think it's on like issue ten or something now. Yeah, I haven't the, read any of it. The first I've trades already out. Behind. I didn't want to get too far behind, so I ended up buying the trade paperback in the meantime yep. while I'm waiting for my single issues to come in with the records. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even get it because of the shortage. I, I yeah. I think a lot of shops were just substituting the non-vinyl copies. Like, that's what mine did. Is They, they just tried to do that to me, issues. and I was like, I'll wait. <laughs> like, my problem is I never go in, so it's like two months later, I got a giant box, and I'm like, maybe it's in there. I don't know. But yeah, I was I was kind of hoping that they'd at least release the, some of the music digitally or something so that we could have a companion piece. I don't think they've done waiting. that at all for the ones that have come out. Yeah, I didn't see any of that, so I've been looking around. So if I see it, I'll let you know. I, I think it's uh, partially to do with the rights because he's got like the he doesn't own a, he only owns the vinyl rights of it, so we'd have to go right. to every individual person. 
I don't know if that's the case on all of the ones, but the first um, record, I think both of them were cover songs, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them are covers. Yeah. Gotcha. Which, speaking yeah, of, I'm going to see me first in the Gimme Gimme. Oh, cool. yeah. All cover songs. I'm very jealous. I always I wanted to see them. Them. Never got a chance to see them. Can't wait. So They're excited. on my list. Awesome. Well, enjoy your show. I love I, that. Normally, when someone asks me what my favorite punk band is, I say "Me First and Gimme Gimme's," and you'd expect someone to get mad, but no one gets mad. They're just like, "I get it." Uh, just <laughs> totally get it. Yeah. Like, I remember back when it was Napster and Kazaa and all that crap. That was what I used to search for all the time: was punk rock covers. And yeah, you're right. I used to do that too. Yeah, yeah. So, I totally get it. That's funny. Awesome. Well, thanks again, again, Travis. <laughs> yes, thank you. John, it's good to have you back. Hopefully, the three yes. of us will be back next time. Knock on wood. <laughs> Ships um, are passing the night. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, thanks for checking out the show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more. Um, Muckspot.com. I'll post uh, Travis's link with everything. So if you're watching this somewhere and it doesn't have Travis's link, hit me up on social media and say, where the fuck is Travis's link? All right. Everybody, All right. take care. Have a good night. <laughs>